All right. Uh, ready? Ready. All right. This is Inside with Outsiders. I'm Jeremy Iscari, and today's guest is Mario Quadros, one of our phot photographers for Outsiders. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. We just spent uh, a week together in Sardinia. Uh, we don't necessarily know when this will air, but we, we came to Sardinia tw 2023 with us. Yeah. And it was cool to spend time with you there. Uh, you know, we've we spent time on the local trips together, but like spending a week is is definitely a way to get to know people more. Yeah. Um, and what's interesting about our story is that we met because you participated in Outsiders, right? Yep. And it was a very unique trip for us. I mean, we still had a Volvo partnership and... Um, you were in the Volvo SUV that I was driving along with uh, Erica from Volvo and a few other people. And we really all connected over, over talking about food and culture and so on. And, and what was unique about that, more unique about it, was that after that, we started doing the dinners together. And that's never really happened. I mean, we've hung out with people from the, from the trips and so on, but like collectively as a unit, yeah. gone out and done dinners. And I love that. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's like you guys are like a unique group in that sense. But uh, yeah, like a lot like like a lot of our staff, a lot of them start off as participants and, you know, uh, eventually join us, you know, with the right right kind of people. No, it was definitely an interesting story because, I mean, I moved here from Chicago uh, with my girlfriend and we were just like kind of looking for stuff to do. Uh, and she met a friend through like grad school and she took her out to dinner and she met Sarah who works just for the outsiders. Just beer Sarah? Yeah, yeah. Really? I didn't know that. And so Sarah is the one that told us or t told my girlfriend about the outsiders. Really? And that's I how we ended up there. I didn't know that was the way you guys found out yeah. about it. I thought maybe you'd been served an ad on social or something. No, it was thanks to Sarah. Shout out to Sarah. Sarah I gotta, I gotta text Sarah and thank her for yeah. that. Um, so, when we, I got to know you a lot better on the Sardinia trip, and uh, I didn't realize. See, I thought you, I know you're from Colombia. Mm -hmm. uh, your girlfriend's also Colombian. Yes. And I just assumed you went from Colombia to Chicago and then Chicago, New York, but I found a lot more about you. Uh, <laughs> tell us about where you're from, and, you know, we'll go through your story from there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I was born and raised in Colombia. What part? Uh, uh, it's a city called Cali. Uh, so if you know anything about Colombia, Cali is known for like salsa dancing. Uh, so okay. I'm not by any means like can the you, greatest salsa dancer. But you can. I can like okay. move around. I can uh, fake but it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not like the greatest. Um, but I was born and raised there uh, up until I was nine years old. Uh, at that time, like obviously people know that Colombia went through a lot of stuff politically uh, with a lot of like the drug wars and all that stuff. Uh, so there came a point where it wasn't safe for us to stay in Colombia. Um, so we left Colombia uh, through a political asylum. Really? And we and ended up in... Who, uh, you and your parents, your siblings? Was, yeah, so me and my parents. I'm an only child. Okay. Uh, so it was me and my parents. This was back in 2001. Um, so we moved you to... You were nine in 2001? Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's not to age you <laughs> uh, the wrong way when people say stuff like that <laughs> uh but yeah we moved to south florida mm -hmm. um we actually moved a week before 9-11 whoa so we okay. landed in south florida on september 6 2001 wow uh so obviously we came from like 
the violence in Colombia and just seeing like that happen yeah. a week later. That's insane. Was crazy. Well, you were uh, nine years old, so did you grasp the reality of what had happened? I don't think at the time I did. Right. Uh, like, obviously, growing up in Colombia, you become accustomed to like seeing a lot of things and just. Did you firsthand see things in Colombia? Uh, so I think what led to us eventually, or at least for my parents to make that decision to move, uh, was there was an instance where three kids that lived maybe like three blocks away from where we lived, uh, got kidnapped, uh, boarding like the bus to school. Wow. Uh, and I think that was just like the last straw for my parents at that point. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's when they decided to, to leave. Um, so yeah, I think coming to the States, seeing that, and it was, I think for them was kind of like, a. I hope we didn't yeah. make the wrong decision. Right. Uh, yeah. Moving to the States. Uh, for I mean, me at that point, like, I was just not really grasping uh, the whole concept. Of course. Um, obviously, like, as time went by, like, you understand yeah. what that was all about. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we, we were in South Florida for about three and a half years. What was that like for you leaving your... I mean, if you're going to move anywhere in the United States that has a culture most similar to Latin America, it's Miami. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think the transition, at least for me, it wasn't that bad uh at that time we one of my cousins moved as well uh and we kind of lived close to each other so uh just being around them uh around like some other family other than, right. than my parents was helpful for me um at that time like i was coming from an american school in colombia so, oh really What's yeah. it, well, why did you go to an american school there uh, cause it was like one of the better schools in the, in the city. Okay. Uh, so like in Colombia, if you're going to like, it's kind of different as here. Uh, like if you're going to a public school here, like you're getting like a really good education. Not necessarily. <laughs> I mean, it depends on, on where you, where you live and, and there are That's public true. schools that have, that are great. There's funding, there's underserved communities where there's not. Uh, and then there's places like in the city where there are underserved communities, but there's charter schools and things like that, which yeah, are yeah. of good education. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, go on. Sorry. Um, no. Yeah. So, I mean, the public schools in Colombia, like there's really no money that goes into those schools. Like if in Colombia you have at least a little bit of disposable income, you're trying to send your your kids into like a private school. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, private schools over there uh, are bilingual. Yeah. Uh, a lot of it's like French, uh, German, uh, but the majority is going to be uh, English. Okay. Uh, so like for me, when I started out in like kindergarten, like I was learning English uh, in school every day. Okay. So the transition uh, wasn't bad at all. You're going to a culture that's somewhat similar. Yeah. And you spoke the language already. Exactly. Okay. I think the biggest transition for me was seeing my parents and how the, their transition happened because they did not speak English. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I think just seeing them, obviously, like, in Miami, it was kind of, like, that gap between, like, coming from a culture that, obviously, you don't speak English in Colombia to a culture where, like, in Miami, if you speak Spanish, like, you're going to be fine. Yeah, exactly. You know? Uh, but for them, like having to work two jobs, like both my parents worked two jobs. Uh, like my dad worked at a, 
um, at a hotel doing maintenance. And then at night, he used to like go out and um, distribute newspapers. Uh, so he was working like 18, 19 hours a day. Wow. Um, my mom was like a kindergarten teacher. Um, and she was also like doing the newspaper routes. Um, and they were barely making ends meet. Like, mm -hmm. I remember going to like the grocery store and my parents were like paying with like quarters and yeah. dimes because that's all they had. Mm -hmm. um, so I think after like three and a half years, uh, we had a family member in South Carolina uh, and she basically told my parents like, it's a lot cheaper up here. Um, how, how did that, um, back to the way your parents were struggling financially, how did that impact you as an adult now? Uh, I think it definitely um, makes me look at being financially stable a little differently than I think most people might. In what regard? Uh, I just don't like to to spend uh, that much money. Mm -hmm. uh, I think just being able to have money in the bank uh, or you know invest it somewhere. Um, I got to see my parents go through a lot of like we don't have any money to buy you know towels yeah. for the for the bathroom. We yeah. don't have money to buy uh, you know food uh, essentials. Yeah. yeah. So I think, yeah, just I have a good feeling that like if I have money in the bank and anything might happen to like my job, uh, I don't know if I'm going to be like in a car accident and I can't work uh, after that. Yeah. Like I know that I have stuff that might get me through at least initially. I mean, at least your perspective, right? Yeah. You know you can survive. So yeah. that's more important than probably any material goods you have, right? Yeah. Uh, so South Carolina, tell me about that. So <laughs> South Carolina was uh, interesting. Um, so we moved. At that point, I was probably like 12 years old. Um, obviously, at that point, I mean, I had, I guess if you live in Miami, you, I feel like you kind of live in, in a bubble. You don't really know what happens. Like, Well, same with New York, same with L.A., same exactly. in every city, yeah. Um, so like, I didn't know, like people were telling me, oh, you're going to the South. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know what that yeah, means. Yeah, you're going for the North, it's <laughs> more of the South. Exactly. Yeah. I was like, but, I don't. But did you ever experience what that was? I did. Uh, tell me about uh, that. <laughs> so, I mean, and like, I'll say this, people have a lot of perceptions of the South and a lot of them are true. Okay. Uh, I think a lot of people think about it and the most awful way i had experiences but i don't think the south is as bad as some people make it out to be can you describe what you mean i mean obviously you're coming from a place like columbia where you're seeing mm -hmm. and hearing about extreme violence uh the south obviously violence a lot of racism prejudice uh yeah yeah so i mean from my experiences uh i would say i've only had like two experiences that I can recall where like I felt discriminated uh, just because I looked different. Right. Um, I remember there was, I don't know if you remember when um, there was a law in place like in Arizona where like if you looked, if you were driving a car and you looked a certain way, like the police could just pull you over. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Uh, so that happened to me in South Carolina. Um, 
I was just driving. The cop pulled me over. He asked me for a green card. What? And I was like, bro, I'm a, I'm a citizen. Like, yeah. I don't have a green card. Like, I can show you my license. Yeah. You can follow me home and I can show you my passport. Yeah. Uh, so How do you respond? He was just like, let me get your license. Just like ran my license. Did he apologize? <laughs> Obviously not. He didn't, did not apologize. How did you feel? Uh, I mean, I would say for all the time that I lived in this house, that was like the worst feeling that I had. Uh, I felt like at that point, like all the good thing that I had experienced yeah. just kind of went to the trash. Like, I mean, was, understandably, you're made to feel like yeah. literally a second class citizen. Like exactly. you're, not even, well, you're not even a citizen. I mean, like, yeah, like I, I went to high school in South Carolina. I mean, I have a ton of friends, like never experienced any sort of discrimination as far as like in the school system. Wow. Uh, I went to college in South Carolina. Um, again, like. And you were, from what I gather, a good student and a, you excelled at tennis, right? I did. Uh, I didn't play college tennis. Uh, I mean, I. But you should have. You should have. <laughs> you should. You were. I was. I was recruited. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah you should have. Like, yeah, you do. What I you was want. recruited uh, to play college tennis. Uh, I mean, I started playing tennis when I was like four years old. Mm -hmm. uh, played up until, I guess, the starting. Yeah, starting my senior year of, of high school. Yeah. Um, at that point, I was getting like scholarship offers. Uh, you know, uh, colleges were were writing me. They were uh, some of the tournaments that I used to play. Like there were college yeah. scouts out there um, but what what changed for you i mean uh you know that's something that a lot of kids dream of yes and i think that was what i had worked towards mm -hmm. uh i think there just came a point where like i i was playing tennis but i wasn't enjoying it like I was going out on the tennis court and it, I was just kind of there. It's a good job at that point. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so I think I just like got to a burnt, burnt yeah. out uh, place. And I mean, I honestly stopped playing tennis for like eight years. Wow. Like I did not want to see a tennis racket. Like, That's, I mean, it's it, the only thing I can compare to in my life. Just trying to think of like if I've ever felt that way was. Uh, at the end of my college basketball career, my last year, I barely got any playing time. I didn't like my coach. And afterwards, it's a lot of practice playing in college. Yeah. I, didn't, I don't think I played for like a month or a month and a half, which is not a long time. But like I yeah. was disgusted because of the experience. Yeah. And it wasn't uh, until I moved to like Chicago uh, and I met my girlfriend. She's the one that kind of just like said, you know, you're really good at tennis. Like, let's go out there and start playing. Does she play? She plays. Uh, she likes it. Uh, <laughs> but did you go out and play like some better competition out there? <laughs> it's it's fun to play with her, obviously. But uh, I definitely, you know, I'm like a lot better than her. Yeah. Um, well, I'm asking like you hadn't played in eight years. And did you go out and start looking for? Yeah. So she gave me there was this thing where and I used it here when I moved to New York. Um, <laughs> we used to call it the tennis dating app. Okay. <laughs> so it's like uh it's like this this app where you just like sign up and you can see people that are playing it like at your same level. level. Okay. And you just reach out and you're like, you wanna go play tennis? Yeah. Um so she gave me like that membership as a gift. Nice. 
Uh, and I in Chicago, I just went out and played a few times. Did you destroy these fools? <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, I was a little better than them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so much. But uh, yeah, I mean, that kind of just like brought back like that feeling that I had been missing from tennis. Yeah. Um, and I've been playing ever since. So nice. So back to college. What did you study in school? I was a public relations major. Oh, dude, that was I was also a media studies major with a focus on PR and journalism. Yeah. And I have to say, if anyone's considering majoring in PR, from my perspective, you don't need a PR major. No. You just need to be a wealthy person with a large network, <laughs> essentially. So, yeah. But what it did help me with was journalism, like uh, learning how to properly express myself through writing. Yeah. I, like when I applied to school, um, I went in as a journalism major. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've always been like a really good writer. Okay. Um, I thought I w really would love to write for like the New York Times or something like that. Um, so I got into like my first semester and I realized that journalists don't really get paid that well. Yeah. Uh, and I took like an intro to PR class and I was super interested. Uh, I thought it was like a good career path. Yeah. And then I just switched over from like journalism into PR. So when you graduated, did you get a job within that field? Yeah, so I got an internship um, as a PR intern. Where at? Uh, it was called Jackson Marketing Group. In South Carolina? In, yeah, in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, and that agency at that point, I don't know if it still is, but it was like the biggest agency in South Carolina. Uh, so I was a PR intern there and just kind of transitioned into like a full-time opportunity. Um, and there is when, <laughs> I mean, now you know me that I work in like social media, like digital advertising yes. and all that stuff. That kind of transition there. So I went from like a PR intern to like a full-time PR representative. And then we got a client, which was Michelin. Uh, they do like all the tires. Yeah. Um, and the restaurant reviews. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and they were looking for an agency to like handle their social media. And honestly, I just kind of fell into it. Like the PR director at the time, she was like, you're the youngest one here. Like you probably know how to do social media. Really? So we're gonna like throw you in and you start handling that. So what'd you do exactly? And, and I'm asking now, cause we're actually shopping for a social <laughs> media person too. So this was back in like 2015. Uh, so I was doing a lot of like the content calendar, yeah. uh, organic posts. Messing with um, the right voice and so on. Yeah. Is that something you still like? How about like, well, right now, TikTok is obviously huge. Mm -hmm. Is that something you're familiar with as well? So now I transition more into like the paid social side. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so I do a lot of the advertisements. Uh, I don't, I haven't handled organic social in a little bit. Yeah. Um, and like the job that I'm in now, like, when, when it comes to digital marketing, like depending on the agency that you're in and depending on the client that you're working on, you kind of get to work on different platforms. Uh, so like in my previous job, I was working across like Snapchat, uh, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. Now it's just mostly um, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. So it's just like oh, depending. With the, with the accounts. You, yeah. Okay, gotcha. So I was like, say those are very older demographic yeah, yeah. platforms. So depending on the client that you're right. working on, 
your target audience is going to live in specific platforms. Right. Um, so right now, like for your TikTok example, like I'm not placing any media on TikTok just because our target demographic is not yeah, in, exactly. in that space. That makes Are you, well, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, because I was going to ask you if you're still doing that, but it's <laughs> a different story. Um, South Carolina, you, you get this internship, you get this full-time gig. How long were you there before you made your move to Chicago? I believe that was your next move, right? Yeah. Uh, so I worked there for three years. Uh, and then my move to Chicago was basically uh, pushed for an MBA. Uh, so I... Obviously, like living in South Carolina and working in advertising, like you really want to be in like a major city. Yeah, um, that's where the advertising world kind of moves. Um, so I really wanted to get out of South Carolina, and I got accepted into the MBA program at DePaul University in Chicago. Nice. Oh. Uh, so that was like the main reason I moved to Chicago. Um, I got a job there. I was going to school. I went to school for a year. And then I realized that an MBA just was not giving me anything. And, um, and I'm, it's interesting that you were getting MBA. What was the MBA in again? I was doing the MBA in entrepreneurship. Really? Yeah. Because I was going to say that probably doesn't serve you now, but actually it does. Sort of, right? An MBA in mean, entrepreneurship is entrepreneur gets what he puts out, right? Mm -hmm. Strategy is important to know. Yeah. But you're creative. Exactly. So, so at that time, um, I had actually started a business uh, called Steso. And I was doing um, like very design-driven dress socks. Dress like, socks? Yeah. Really? So you went into like fashion too? Super colorful. Did you design these? Yeah. <laughs> what, what happened? Okay. This is really interesting. I had no idea. So did you have a partner in the business? It was all me. All you designing? So I was designing. Uh, I was, you know, in contact with like manufacturers, and uh, my manufacturer was in Taiwan. Uh, I was doing like all the business plans, the strategy behind everything. Did you launch? Uh, so we launched, or I launched, I guess. Um, I got all the funding through Kickstarter. Uh, so it was like 100% funded through. How Kickstarter. much did you raise? It was like 6,500. Okay. Yeah. Not bad, yeah. Um, and I think my my idea for that was I really wanted to understand how to start a business. Yeah. And what all went into like production, um, like all the business details that had to go into creating a business, understanding like the laws behind creating a business. Um, and once I did that and kind of started uh, Steso, got everything funded, got everything produced. Um, that's kind of what drove me to like wanting to do an MBA in entrepreneurship. But as I was doing the MBA, I just kind of realized that everything that I was learning in class, I had already done. Right. Yeah. So at that point I was like, I, I really enjoy the creative field. Um, all the, all the stuff that I'm learning in, in this MBA, like I already understand so let me just kind of transition into just taking what I know, like business-wise, yeah, and just hitting it in like my creative business. So that was the sock company. So the sock company kind of ended there. Why? Uh, 
I just <laughs> I realized that I wasn't like that interested in fashion. Understood. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I did it more as like a design concept. Yeah. Uh, but really, what what I enjoyed doing was like photography, uh, graphic design, web design. So okay. that kind of just like all the stuff that I was doing in Steso. Right. Kind of. Did you then move to agency life from there? Uh, yeah. So I started working in Chicago in an uh, advertising agency um, and then just kind of doing, um, you know, typical nine to five job. Um, that's where I met uh, my girlfriend who also works in marketing. Uh, she's more in like the client services kind of strategy side, mm-hmm. uh, bigger picture. Yeah. Uh, a lot smarter than, than I am. Uh, <laughs> but I met her and then just like with my creative side and her like strategy side, we started just getting projects to work on. So and you became we, business partners? Yeah. Really? So, I mean, we were both uh, on our like nine to fives and we just started working on projects, uh, just kind of building a, yeah. a clientele uh, and then just kind of did that on the side. So what was uh, what was the next step? I mean, you moved to Chicago. How long were you there for? I was in Chicago for four years. And then you and Camilla, your girlfriend, mm-hmm. decided to move to New York. Yeah, what was so, the reason for the move? So this was, we moved in 2021. Uh, so this was like, peak COVID had like kind of happened already. Yeah. Um, we were both working remote. Uh, we both had always wanted to live in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this is like the mecca of advertising. Yeah. Um, so we just saw it as an opportunity or like our jobs can transition us into New York. We can still work remote and rent prices at that time were dirt cheap. Yeah, <laughs> they were. <laughs> and so, yeah, we just thought it was like the right moment, the right opportunity to move. So you maintain, you both maintained your sh- jobs that you had in Chicago, worked remotely from New York. Yep. Um, I know she stopped working for a Chicago job. Mm-hmm. What, didn't you, what, what happened with you? Was uh, that the last job you had before you took your next step? So <laughs> I w- kept that job from Chicago um, they essentially paid for all our moving fees. Uh, I stayed at that. We moved here in May 2021. In August 2021, I found another job. Um, so I took that job uh, and just kind of uh, stayed there for like another year uh, until another bigger and better opportunity came along. Okay. And what was same concept agency stuff? Agency, yeah, digital advertising. And from, but you're not in agency anymore. You quit, and you're. If I'm, tell me if I'm mistaken, but you work for yourself now. You're a full-time photographer. So full-time photographer, uh, full-time creative. I yeah. guess you can say creative consultant. Creative consultant, yeah. yeah. Uh, branding studio. Uh, nice. So. Again, like with my girlfriend just being a partner in the whole thing, um, we're going to be launching an official website uh, pretty soon. Really? Is there a name for the business you can share yet? Uh, I mean, yeah, we can share it. What is it? It's called Maka Advertising. Maka. M-A-C-A? Yeah. Okay, not (laughs) Maga. 
Yeah. Um, so we, we wanted to call it Marca. Yeah. Because, like, I don't know if, Brand. if you're Spanish. Yeah. 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 Simi's French. You're very fluent. Yeah. It's also semi French. Mark. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so we wanted to call it Marca for like brand. Yeah. And Marca is also like M A R is like Mario and then C A S Camilla. Oh, but what happened was taken? It was taken. You couldn't modify it somehow? It, it would have been hard because they're also like in the advertising yeah. space. Oh, man. That would have been nice. That would have been. So, you know, it's a big step to leave a full time job. I mean, I know your, your girlfriend still has her gig. Mm hmm. I mean, tell me how you felt when you like, what, what was the process of getting to the point where you're like, I'm just going to take this leap? It's scary, right? You're going from guaranteed income. <laughs> and I do that because you're at the mercy of whoever's paying you or keeping, giving you your job. Yeah. To then putting all onus and responsibility on your own shoulders. Yeah, yeah. So tell me about that process because a lot of people don't do that. People talk about it for years. Uh, actually, I think, Chris, I don't know if you... You quit your job, but you kind of took the step to focus more on the studio, right? Yeah, and it was a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> was, was it a bad idea or was it... Here's my perspective. And no, I, no, it was a good idea, but it's a, it right now it's a bad idea. It takes time to build, right? So No, no, no. We have it built already. Just now we can't do nothing with it right now. Well, no, okay. That's a different story, right? <laughs> so we understand that. Um, but like, let's talk about the leading up to your decisions, the both of you. It's a scary thought, but what makes you decide to take that leap and take the risk and put it on your shoulders? And we'll start with uh, both. I mean, Mario, you go ahead. Uh, I think I just found myself that I was like going into work every day, just doing the same thing over and over. Um, I just felt like I needed a fresh start, and I felt like I I am good enough to like provide a service. Bet on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I thought maybe i'm wrong and maybe at some point i'm going to be crawling back to agency life right um but i think if i don't try it now like who knows when when i'm going to have another opportunity so true chris what about you i have the ability to go back like i i just i didn't quit i just gave up my shifts right so i can go back to the port authority anytime i feel it so you have that cushion yeah i can if i need to pick up shifts i can i can say hey is there anything available and right. i can go pick something up I guess my question to you is what, and if you don't mind me asking you questions, this is rare, <laughs> but what, um, what motivated you to kind of take the step and focus more on your creative aspect? Because I've said this a million times, this is Chris's idea, this whole place. This is a dream studio, yeah. by the way. So what was your motivation to do that? Nothing really. I mean, I just like creating things. I like doing stuff. Just I just do want to stay busy. That's all I want right. to do. But, but you're busy at work. The difference is that's not something you enjoy like you do this, right? No, I don't mind doing it, because, but that's analytical stuff. Like, that's numbers and stuff like that. This is more it's creative. It's passion. Different. It's a different, a different thing. Yeah. Well, photography is a passion. Just, right. This is just something. I have the tools. I might as well use them. Right. You know? I'm helping you. We, you can do something with it. Let's see what happens. And, you know, that's what I like to do. I just like trying new stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, we got, you remember, we got all this stuff. as a, It was literally as a joke. Yeah, we picked up podcasting equipment. <laughs> That's right. You know, now we have we you know we freaking got we're using three cameras. We got a bunch of lights. We do, yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> remember how it started? It was I two freaking tables in the corner over there. I remember, <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> but that answers my question. It was like following your passion, doing stuff that you enjoy doing. Because you know, you say you have this stuff, but you have it because you enjoy it. I mean, for me, I think I have to 
agree with following stuff that makes me feel free and feel good. Mm -hmm. You know, like I never had a full-time job, partly because I couldn't get one when I came out of college and I was forced to do what I was kind of dabbling in before I graduated was like throwing parties, right? Yeah. And uh, within my career of being an entrepreneur, I've been offered a job here and there and I don't see myself doing that. I can't, I mean, not right now, not anything I've been proposed to, but this is great. Like being able to create something and see something and put, do it my way is so meaningful to me. Yeah, yeah. And I think like a lot of the people that I talk to that are entrepreneurs, like they don't see themselves in a structured environment. I don't know if that happens to you, but like... The people who are entrepreneurs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I see myself in a structured environment that I create. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't see a structured environment where I'm at the mercy of somebody else's... Right. Um, neuroses or whatever you know what i'm saying like it's tricky right there's a, the false perception of having security when you're working for somebody yeah. but at the end of the day you're at the mercy of their decision whereas i'm at the mercy of myself yeah sure there's other factors outside right but i'm betting i'd rather bet on myself for sure that's the only that's the best bet you can you can make absolutely um so now that you work for yourself how long has it been uh not that long i think maybe like two months oh wow that recent yeah so what how has life changed and what's like uh what's give me the pros and cons so far <laughs> uh i think pros are definitely just having that freedom uh i think you know i'm able to work whatever hours i want um i'm able to obviously like i'm still working with clients so like i'm not able to just like do whatever i want right. um but the projects that i'm working on are projects that interest me yeah um and then on the other side i think just waking up and going to sleep every night just hoping that more projects come along i mean obviously you're working towards it's not just hope right yeah i hear that um i might have a project for you so uh, we'll talk about that, but, sure. but what's, it's funny that you say that waking up and going to sleep, hoping that happens. Um, I think I have a, you know, they say people with anxiety worry about the future. People depressed, worry about the past. I worry about the future as an entrepreneur mm -hmm. and just my personality type, right? <laughs> it's helping my hair. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, but I, I've taken this approach where, um, when I go to sleep and I'm stressed, I'm like, geez, what's, what, you know, I want, I need something to pop and change. But go to sleep with the approach of like, oh man, I wonder, I, I wonder, I can't wait to see what opportunities present themselves tomorrow. It's almost yeah. like a mantra, right? Yeah. I can't wait to see what opportunities I'm given tomorrow. Because not every opportunity you have today, it's not the last of your opportunities, right? Yeah. So uh, I've taken that and it's a constant reminder to have that per that perspective. But it really helps. It's really true. I yeah. mean, you know, we'll get... A, an email from a friend like I want to catch you with this brand all of a sudden we have like a little a small retainer monthly from this brand you know it's just uh, these things make a difference so uh, my advice having actually fans you know you guys this month this we're recording this in June might not put it out until like <laughs> November <laughs> but we're recording this in June this is the 20th anniversary of my first company wow um, this month it's been 20 years that I've been doing working for myself like working for myself that's awesome yeah, I saw that and I was like, wow, that it puts a lot of things in perspective. Also, it also makes me feel a little older too, but like, <laughs> that's not what I focus on. I yeah. focus on 
you know, I always saw it as being like, oh, am I, I going to make it next month? I'm going to make it. And I still have that perspective, which is, yeah. I look, I look at 20 years and I think almost that's kind of a ridiculous perspective to have sometimes. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm blown away. Like, I got the notification on LinkedIn. They're like, congrats on 20 years. I like, 20, what are you talking about 20 years? I'm like, oh, shit. It's insane. It's so, a long time, yeah. Um, it's, my mind is blown still. I bring it up. I don't even know why I bring it up. I'm just shocked. Um, well, congratulations for, for 20 years. Of- yeah, it's, it's nuts. I mean, you know, I look forward to seeing... I, we have a lot of team members for outsiders and mm-hmm. a lot of people that work with photography and, and whatever aspect they help us out with. But I know when you're signed up and when you're involved and there's certain people I don't worry about and people say that to me, I'm like, what do you mean you don't worry? But you don't, I know you have the work ethic, the intelligence and the creativity. No matter what you do, you're going to be fine. You're going to be successful. I appreciate that. I see that. Like when you're on a trip, I don't worry about it. <laughs> Other people on a trip, sometimes they get nervous. Yeah. But you, Yeah. Yeah, you, you can be good. And that's why I, I, I'm even willing to, because I see what you're doing for yourself and I, I want to help make that happen. Mm-hmm. I wish we had like huge budgets for us to employ <laughs> full time and it'll happen. It will. So uh, but I'm, I'm proud of you for taking that leap. You know, not everyone on the team, I think you, there's others on the team that could do it too, but I, I see you being successful doing it. I appreciate it. Yeah. My pleasure. That's, uh, what's that? that's, good. that's good to hear. Uh, I remember we were on a on a hike one day, and uh, Jamie, who who's part of the Outsiders, uh, I was just talking to him, and he goes, "Every time I'm gonna sign up for a for an outing, I want to make sure who the photographer is, and if it's you, I'm definitely signing up." Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> there's also like there's a sense of like um, stability and regularity when you when you're, you're you're there, you're the most frequent photographer at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, which for someone like me makes it a lot easier mm-hmm. you know, instead of having to like, cause there's other photographers that sign up here and Topher has been the, the secondary guy recently, you know, before you guys, it was, um, Birchin who was there every time and she gave me a month's notice if she wasn't. And, yeah. uh, you know, that makes it so much easier for us. Yeah. Uh, also makes our brand imagery consistent, you know? So again, I'm giving you flowers, man. I appreciate you. <laughs> All right. Um, we're getting to some of these written questions. Uh, I like conversations to just flow. Uh, cool. But what are you, you know, you've, you've gone your path to betting on yourself and this creativity, uh, letting that be your income. What are your goals and dreams following this current path? Um, I think just seeing something that I created. Uh, and then just seeing how far I can take it, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether that's something that is just there or if it's something that like grows into something bigger. Uh, I'm just honestly like super excited to just like work my ass off and just like hoping that like the creative work that I'm putting in, uh, obviously with like Camilla's side of the business where she's like doing all the all the smarter work that she's doing well it's different Um, it's analytical versus creative right yeah a lot different a lot different but like my creative work couldn't be done also if it wasn't for her because like my creative work kind of filters through her if she's telling me that like something looks like shit then like i know i have to like create something better right um 
So I think if, if it wasn't like for her as well, like yeah. I probably wouldn't have taken this stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think just like seeing how this just kind of transitions into whatever it is that it's going to be. Yeah. Called. That's great. I mean, you just reminded, like the answer you just gave reminded me of something I said uh, when I was in my early 20s, like being asked, like, what do I want to do for a living like, when, you, when you grow up or whatever? So <laughs> I didn't really know. I just had a vision and the vision was creating something that people enjoyed and um, then appreciated me for having created. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything else other than that. Yeah. So... I'd say uh, when I look back at that, I, I'm happy with what's been achieved so far. I would say so. Um, what's your motivation? Uh, I would say I have I have a few motivations. I think one is just uh, just wanting to create cool things. Yeah. Um, I think another motivation is just like, I mean, we walked through like my life story i guess so like just from like what i went through with my parents just like being able to to do something that they're proud of you know absolutely getting yeah getting validation for your parents is is (laughs) nice um so what what would your measure of success be um i think just getting to a point where I don't have to to rely on on going back to like a regular job. I think if this becomes something that I can live off of, yeah. I think that would consider that a success. That's that was my goal with Outsiders, and uh, not just that, but I was like, I told myself if I can get to that point, mm-hmm. and you will, hundred percent. Yeah, you're gonna do it. <laughs> I'm not worried about you. Um, if you go back and give high school you advice. What would that advice be? Take the scholarship. <laughs> really? <laughs> Do you regret not taking the tennis scholarship? There's times where I regret it. For what reason? Uh, there was, uh, I mean, st- like I'm still paying student loans, obviously. Yeah. Um, I think there's times where I, I regret it. There's times where I, I'm confident that I made the right decision. Yeah. Um, I think... Regardless, if I had taken the scholarship, I feel like I would still be doing what I'm doing, um, just doing like some sort of creative work. Right. Maybe my path would have been different, um, but I think just like giving myself the opportunity to just like fulfill the dream that I had since I was a little kid of just like mm-hmm. playing tennis. If I'm giving you advice based on that is to not regret because you could have been miserable doing that for four years too. That's true. Um, don't regret your decisions because, uh, I mean, yeah, it's okay if you think back, like maybe, but at the time you were dead set on not doing it. So yeah, that was for you. Don't don't regret that choice, man. Yeah, like I <clears throat> I went to school with a bunch of the kids that I played tennis with. Yeah, and like they got the scholarships to like play at South Carolina, um, and I mean I I saw them going to practice at five six in the morning every day. Yeah, and I was coming back from the bars. At right. Yeah. Five. <laughs> yeah. 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 So like I, I'm, like, there's a sense of regretment for not like playing tennis. Yeah. I don't think there's a sense of regretment of like, I 
made like the wrong decision of like enjoying my college years. You got, you got the life experience of a college experience, yeah. right? A non-athlete college experience. Yeah. Okay. Um, what is your favorite part of Outsiders? Oh man, there's so many. Uh, I think just having the opportunity to just like leave the city and like be in nature yeah. is super fun for me. Uh, getting to meet so many different people. Like I, of all the outings that I've done, I think I've seen max like 10 people like more than once. Really? Yeah. We know we have a lot more than that that come more than once. Yeah. The same. Well, like, yeah. I just see so many new faces. Yeah. And it's, like, so fun for me to just, like, interact with them. Absolutely. Uh, especially on the hikes. Cause yeah. like, I mean, you've seen me on the hikes. I'm just, like, running yeah. up and down. Exactly. And I just, like, stop and just, like, walk for, like, five minutes with someone. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can learn a lot from them in five yeah. minutes. Absolutely. Um, so I think just meeting a lot of people. Um meeting all the staff um, mm -hmm. for the outsiders like everyone's super cool like yeah. super friendly super supportive it's like it's become my support system yeah um but back to like being able to like meet people on the hikes and so on um when i when i when i'm on the hikes and i have the crew organizing who guides where yeah i always put myself in the middle or floating because i get to talk to everybody yeah and people are like that's a genius thing for your business. You get to you know, say, yeah, they're not wrong, but I actually enjoy just talking to everybody, like getting to know each person's story. That's why we do this. This is like the human story is the most interesting to me. Yeah. So yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, I think like the concept is like really good because I mean a lot of New Yorkers or at least people that live in Manhattan don't have a car. Yeah. So it's just like giving them an opportunity to do something. Mm -hmm without them having to worry about how to get there. But there's also those who might have cars but and enjoy doing these things but don't have anyone to go with and don't don't want to do it alone, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of, I mean, I, I have to figure out our value propositions for, for everybody. So like the different aspects of the pros for outsiders for people are, are, uh, are good. I like to talk about it because people usually think is, oh, you just, you know, you get people to nature, cool. I'm like, oh, it's <laughs> a lot more than that. A lot um, more. Even though, as that, but that alone is important. The destination trips, too. Oh, wow. <laughs> I love people like, you, do you go on all the trips? Like, all the destination trips? Yes. Um, so, uh, what is the dream you've yet to achieve? Uh, wow. Uh, I think just having the financial freedom to to live life however I want to. Yeah. I think, I mean, I've, I'm pushing towards towards that. Um, I don't know how long that's going to take. Right. Um, but, yeah, I think once I get to that point, I think, you know, whether it's in 10 years or 20, yeah. um, I think that's going to be a goal that I've had since I was a little kid, I would say. Okay. I mean, I think that's, that's my goal, a lot of people's goals, right? Especially if we grew up in situations, families that was always like, you know, penny pinching to to get by, get by i mean obviously never homeless or anything like that but i remember you know hey i want this oh we can't have that yeah you yeah. know so that's that's what i want to be able to provide you know i don't i'd like to have a family one day and mm -hmm. i want to be able to be able to if i choose to spoil the kid spoil the kid you know right right that would be cool yeah um uh this is one of my favorite questions okay uh what is your most embarrassing moment <laughs> 
We've got some really good ones. Let's hear yours. Man, my most embarrassing moment. Uh, okay, this is gonna be like it's very personal. Let's hear it. This is it's no judgment judgment free zone right here. Uh, so I was living in Florida. Um, I was maybe like. 11 years old. Yeah. Um, my family had come to visit, like my grandparents, uncles, cousins. And we were driving from, I used to live in a, a, small, a small town called Weston, uh, which was like 40 minutes north of Miami. And we were driving from there to Orlando to like go to like Disney World and all that stuff. Um, so we stopped at a at a rest area. Yeah. Uh, I <laughs> Oh no, I, what uh, happened? <laughs> I ate uh I ate some Burger King. Okay. I remember. Uh and then as we were driving I I don't know why, but like this strip of land just did not have any exits for like miles. Yeah. And the burger just like what? hit me. <laughs> and I was like I like we got to stop. Yeah. And I mean, in front of <laughs> in front of my grandparents, my uncles, my two little cousins, oh my I just God. had to like swing the door open and just kind of be in nature, you know. Stick your ass out <laughs> and let it go. <laughs> well, it's at least it was family. At least it was family. Yeah, it hasn't happened. Uh, I mean, with strangers. So that's okay. That's, uh, so it's a shit story and our most embarrassing moment in general on this show was also a shit story. Okay. Uh, Ken Tanaka ran the marathon with food poisoning, New York city marathon Ooh. and every mile he had to take a shit. Oh. So it took him eight hours and 27 shits. So, well, I've ran, a, I've ran marathons and I know how that feels. Yeah. <laughs> this is, oh yeah. You're also a marathon run. How many marathons have you ran? Uh, four, four, Six. Do you want to? You've lost track of two. Yeah. Are you serious? <laughs> Marathon is insane. Uh, are you uh, Are you planning to run more? Yes. Uh, I'm running. So I ran the Brooklyn half in April. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna run. I'm gonna run the another half marathon here in Jersey, actually. In Where? Asbury. Uh, Hoboken. I want to say. Oh yeah, say. Hoboken's right there. Um, they have a half marathon. Did you know about that? <laughs> yeah. It's uh. It's in. End of September. You talked to Darshan about it? I have Because he known. runs a run club out of Jersey City that yeah, they yeah. do stuff like that. Okay. Um, and yeah, I'm running the Philly Marathon in end of November. Okay. Bless you. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there anything I haven't asked you that you want to share that you think would be funny or interesting? Uh, oh, Fun fact about Mario. Fun fact about me? Yeah. Um, or just something you want to share, whatever. I mean, I know I went through, like, a lot of my tennis story. Uh, I also grew up playing soccer. Okay. Um, I also received uh, some scholarships for soccer. They weren't as, like, big yeah. as the tennis ones. Uh 
So I guess I, I could have also played decided soccer. on playing soccer instead of tennis. Division but, one uh, uh, recruits for soccer as well. It was like mostly D two and D three. Okay. Uh, but my senior, so my senior of high school, I stopped playing tennis and I joined for the first time in high school because like tennis w- had taken so much time uh, that I just was not playing any high school sports because tennis you got to like go to an academy and yeah. like, practice and all that. Uh, so senior of high school, all my friends were playing soccer. Yeah. I was like, this is my last year. Like, I want to play soccer. Yeah. Um, I think this was like the third game of the season. Um, I scored a goal in that game. And like 10 minutes later, um, the, the, the dude from the other team just like hit my knee and tore LCL, Oof. ACL, MCL. You blew out your knee. My knee was tore up. And yeah, it was man. That's a sucks. tough way to end my senior year. Yeah, <laughs> wow. That's three games into the soccer season. So that's the fall, right? Yeah. Wow, that sucks. All right. So the next part of this uh, interview series is a series of five rapid fire questions. Okay. Uh, you know how that works. And there's six questions here, but the sixth one I totally forgot <laughs> to tell you to bring your favorite food because that's like part oh, of the I, like. I blame it on having been gone and doing Sardinia, being Sardinia, all that stuff. But the last question is usually, what's your favorite food? And we bring it out. We have it together. So we're going to start with that as the first question. What's your favorite food? My favorite food is Lomo Saltado. Ooh, that's good. So you missed out on that one. (laughs) (laughs) They have, what's your favorite place to get Lomo Saltado? Uh, So I really like to go to this place called Causa uh, that we went uh, together. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say the best Lomo Saltado that I've had in Manhattan uh, is in a place called Artesano. Okay. Uh, which I think they opened maybe like eight months ago. Uh, it's like high-end Peruvian, uh, but it's so good. The best one I w- I've had, and again, I don't know authentic stuff, so the best one, best taste to me, was this place on 14th off of 7th Avenue. It's a Cuban spot. Okay. Uh, I keep on forgetting the name, but... It was great. And, but I don't know. Like, I think it's like soaked in soy sauce, right? Yeah. Yeah, I shouldn't be having that. So it's a good thing you didn't bring it. Uh, but well, if, good choice. If my mom watches this, her Lomo Saltado is the best one. Really? <laughs> 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 All right. Um, okay, so let's start the five rapid fire questions officially without the last question. <clears throat> so what's your favorite city other than New York City? Uh, Barcelona. Mm, you know, it's interesting. It's a, uh, the common answer for that question is Barcelona for people who I trust as far as their taste of travel goes. And that became a problem for me. Really? I say that because I went to Barcelona with all these expectations. Oh, of you being didn't, yeah, didn't amazing. And it wasn't bad. It was great. But they raised the expectations so high that I thought I would be seeing like magical things. And it was a great city. I also only spent two days there. But I just expected so much because they built the expectations so high. Uh, that I have to go back realizing, like, let me go explore the city on my terms. Yeah, but that yeah. was, you know, I know it has the beach, it has a city, it has art, it has a lot of things to offer. So it's definitely on my list to visit back, uh, go back to. Yeah, for sure. Uh, if you could do any other profession, what would you do? Uh, I would be a lawyer. Why? Um, actually, I, I had thought about going into law school. Um, one of my favorite subjects in school growing up was history. Um, and I think like law has a lot of history kind of intertwined. 
Uh, so I think that would have been something that would have yeah. I would have enjoyed. I uh, I didn't realize the correlation of law and history until recently. Yeah. Um, it is interesting. I I would I don't want to say I couldn't. I don't like saying I can't. But it's not my. I have no interest in becoming a lawyer personally. I started uh, studying for the LSAT, and I was like, nah. Really? <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. That's very analytical. Yeah. Extremely. You have those two parts of your brain. Uh, what's your vice? Uh, sweets, man. Really? What's your favorite sweet? Uh, it's called an alfajor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a. I guess they have it across like South America, but my favorite one's like the Peruvian, which is like two cookies and like dulce de leche yeah. in Oof. the middle, and like powdered sugar on top. Jesus, it's like uh, diabetes yeah. right away. Sounds good. I mean. Y- in Sardinia, you saw me eating yes. uh, Going, pies yeah. for breakfast. I mean, well, <laughs> the year before, I was doing the same thing. It was so good. That food was good, man. That, when you texted, I think we, I texted you while I was in Stockholm or whatever, and you were like waking up to a not, uh, to not having a five-star breakfast was so sad. <laughs> it was brutal. It was. Um, what's your greatest fear? Uh, just not living... Uh, I don't want to say not living up to, but I, I would say like the hard work that my parents put for me to get to where I am and just like not taking advantage of it. Yeah. Okay. That's a, that's a loving son response right there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I get it. Um, Cause they made, they left the country for the betterment of your yeah. life. So I hear that. Uh, what is your dream photo gig? Uh, shooting for Nike. Really? Yeah. Well, uh, tell me why Nike specifically. Uh, well, Nike, me just like loving branding. Yeah. Uh, I think Nike does a hell of a job with their brand. Uh, and just like, I think in being into branding, being a really big sports fanatic, uh, just getting to do something with Nike uh, would be just like the dream job that yeah. I, would, I would love to do. Maybe maybe like Nike and like something with soccer. Okay. Yeah. My friend's a photographer for Adidas. Uh, Adidas basketball specifically, I think. Okay. But yeah. I mean, he gets to go around and he's a basketball fan. So yeah. It's, uh, That's it's cool. a cool gig. Very cool gig. <laughs> uh, but we have a cool gig now. I mean, I'm part, you know, partly outsiders, obviously. I'm sure yeah. they have other clients, but it's fun doing these fun activities and, you know, Seeing these people with nine to fives slaving away on a Monday morning, that really <laughs> motivates me to continue doing what I'm doing because that's like the most depressing thing I see. No, I mean, like some of the gigs that I've done with the outsiders, like I don't think a lot of people would ever get to do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Sardinia's <laughs> one hell of a, of a trip. Uh, yeah. I know that Natalie will probably want you back next year. I would love to be back next year. Then let's, let's do it. Sign, yeah. me, up, sign me up now. <laughs> you're good um, yeah man I, I, that's that's pretty much the the, the show uh, I mean I could probably sit here and talk to you about more stuff uh, but we wouldn't want to drag this on for two hours but I appreciate you I could definitely see us coming back in here and seeing how you've progressed in a couple of years and looking back and all the new clients you have and all that and <laughs> revisiting this this interview and yeah. seeing the growth it kind of be like me looking at that 20 year mark and be like wow like yeah i'm looking forward to that for you man i am
And by then, hopefully, we've taken outsiders to a whole new level, too. Yeah, I hope so. You know, <laughs> since you started, I, I think I asked you this in Sardinia. What do you notice is the biggest difference? And you said the, the structuring, the organization. Yeah. And I was like, really? Because <laughs> in my eyes, I, you know, when you're in it, it's like, I see a mess. So, I mean, we organize. I have a great team to help me organize it. But, like, I don't think we're need, where we need to be yet. So, um, yeah, when we revisit this, uh, we'll see how we both have grown. For sure. But thank you for being here. Yeah. Appreciate you. And it's great to getting to know you here and in Sardinia. And looking forward to getting you get to know you more. For sure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. All right, guys. Tune in to next time.